Hello there, and welcome to Let's Get Sexy, the podcast where I read an erotic story and you listen to it. In series three of the podcast, we're reading a story by the author Gwiel called Wings of Grey. As you'll know if you've listened to the podcast before, I find my stories on literotica.com and you can find them there too. If you want to find some other stories written by Gwiel, then my suggestion is you search for their username, which is spelt G-W-E-A-L-L as an author on the Literotica website, and you should have access to all 15 of their stories, a total of 79 chapters to get stuck into. We're about to read chapter 3, and as always, I haven't read it ahead of time, don't know what's going to happen. That's part of the fun for me, and I'm really excited to find out what happens next. To recap on the last chapter, Mike and Alex had a couple of dates, one of which was in a moonlit barn, and the others, I think, have mostly been movie nights over at... Mike's house. We learned that Alex lives in kind of a foster home, and so he's not necessarily all that open to having Mike over to his place. I don't even know if that would be allowed. Nonetheless, it seems like the relationship is blooming. Two months have passed since their first date. They've only had one argument, which was about whether Mike is embarrassed or a little bit reluctant, perhaps, to introduce Alex to his friends and family. Fortunately, Mike was able to reassure Alex that he's got nothing to worry about in that department and that he's certainly not ashamed to be in a relationship with Alex. However, not everyone is as accepting of Alex, who, by the way, is a mutant affected by the disease that's ravaged this world and given him some of the features of a goshawk, which is a type of bird of prey. The main antagonist in this story, who has been causing a few problems for Mike and Alex, is Mike's old best friend. I don't know if they could really be called friends anymore, because it seems like the arrival of Alex really drove a wedge between those two. Ethan had fallen in with a bit of a rough crowd of anti-mutant racists, I guess you could call them, and there was a bit of a fight that nearly broke out if it wasn't for Alex's cool-headed de-escalation of the situation. The chapter finished with Mike wondering when things between him and Alex are going to evolve beyond kissing and become more sexual. And I think we might get an answer to that in this next chapter because chapter 3 is subtitled The Boys Get Some Alone Time. It is a H for hot chapter. It's got a rating of 4.63. It's had 24.7 thousand views and 19 likes. There are 12 comments. And the story itself is 2.6 thousand words, so it is a little bit of a shorter story, but I don't think it's too short. There still should be plenty to talk about at the end. I want to thank you for downloading this podcast and listening to it, and also I want to apologise a little bit if my voice is a tiny bit husky this week. I've had a little bit of a sore throat, but I think it should be fine. Anyway, with that all said, please enjoy Chapter 3 of Wings of Grey.
Mike answered the door. When he heard the light quick knocking, he automatically knew it was Alex. He opened the door and stepped aside so Alex could come in. My parents are out of town for the weekend. Dad went out on some business trip, and Mum went to a little mini-vacation at a spa. Mike smiled. Alex's eyes widened, but he covered his emotion quickly. Come on, I got Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, and The Blob. I figured we could go with some classics. Mike smiled and held up the two movies. Awesome, I've always meant to see these, Alex said, and grabbed Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Me too. Ethan never liked old scary movies, Mike grumbled and plopped down on the couch. Alex followed him and snuggled into his warm embrace. Mike started the movie and they relaxed and enjoyed. Soon, Mike was too distracted to watch the movie and was concentrating on the hollow of Alex's neck and wondered what it would feel like to lick that little spot. He felt his cock stirring in his sweats and was worried Alex would feel it. He forced it to go down but couldn't keep himself from looking at Alex. Alex glanced up at Mike and caught him staring. Mike didn't seem bothered by being caught and kept staring. Alex blushed but held the gaze. Soon they were kissing passionately and Mike thrust his tongue into Alex's mouth. Alex made a soft cooing sound and used his tongue to play with Mike's. Mike kissed his mouth one more time before moving down the jawline to kiss his neck on that spot he'd been thinking about for an hour. He lapped and nibbled at Alex's collarbone and was rewarded with a sultry moan from Alex. Mike bit at Alex's neck and sucked the skin there. He wanted his mark on Alex so everyone would know who he belonged to. I want you so bad, Mike moaned into Alex's neck. I need you, Mike, Alex whimpered and ran his fingers through Mike's hair. Are you sure, Mike asked and stopped nibbling at the spot long enough to look up at Alex. Yes, please, Alex begged. Mike smiled and stood. He took Alex's hand and led him up to his room. He pushed Alex down onto the bed and followed soon after. He nibbled at the spot again and Alex buckled his hips underneath him. There's definitely going to be a mark there tomorrow, Mike thought to himself, and he smiled at the thought. He moved up to Alex's ear and sucked and nibbled at it. Alex gasped and thrust his hips against Mike's eagerly. His panting increased and Mike committed the spot to memory before moving down towards Alex's chest. He began slowly unbuttoning the shirt Alex wore. Wait, Alex suddenly stopped him. Mike worried he had changed his mind. I'm, I'm not, I don't look. Christ. Alex swore under his breath and looked up at the ceiling. Mike saw he was trying to hold back tears. Hey, hey, why the waterworks? Mike asked. You can tell me anything. You should know that by now. Mike scooted back up his body and wrapped an arm around his shoulders and pulled him close to him. He kissed the top of his head and rubbed his shoulder, hoping to comfort him. In the camps, sometimes the guards, they didn't have a lot to do since they couldn't leave the camp very often, so... So they had to find ways to entertain themselves. Alex forced the words out. Mike could see how hard this was for him. Okay, he said, and urged Alex on. You've heard of dog fights, right? Alex asked. Mike nodded in response. They're illegal though, right? Mike asked. Yes, but fighting mutants against each other isn't, he whispered. What? Mike asked, shocked. They would pit us against each other. If you lost, then the winner got to do what they wanted to you. So did the guards. Alex looked down. That's... God, that's horrible, Alex. Did you... Mike trailed off. Alex nodded. They tried to keep predator against predator, but sometimes, when they would get bored, or if it was a special occasion, they would put the prey in with the predators. Jaguars against mice. Alligators against ducks. Wolves against rabbit. Birds against panthers. Alex whispered the last part. Mike tried to imagine what Alex had been through. 
Alex took a deep breath and pulled away from Mike. He unbuttoned his shirt and revealed the several scars that ran along his torso. They looked like a very oversized cat had taken many, many swipes at him. On his right shoulder, a large oval bite mark showed where the large cat had apparently taken a snap at his shoulder. Another identical mark showed on his left side. He removed the shirt the rest of the way, slipping it off his wings. He turned so Mike could see his back, and Mike saw the claw and bite marks that surrounded the place where his wings met his back. Several stray marks fell on his lower back or shoulders. How do you kill a bird? Alex whispered. Break its wings? Mike answered. Anger filled him. How dare they touch his beautiful boy? I understand if you don't want... If you don't want to see me any more, Alex said, through tears. Mike snapped out of his thoughts to see that Alex had turned around and was watching his reaction. He had taken the angry look Mike wore as one towards him. He covered his body with his soft-looking wings. I'm not angry at you, love, Mike said, and quickly pushed the wings away from his thin body and pulled the shirtless boy to his chest, smothered his hair, and gave him comforting hugs and kisses. I'm angry that someone could do such a horrible thing to my little bird, Mike said, and reached a hand down to touch Alex's wing. He jumped at the touch, but soon relaxed against Mike. Mike still couldn't believe how soft and comforting the wings were. He kissed Alex again and again. He trailed kisses down his face and neck until he reached his chest again. He kissed each of the teeth marks that formed a circular bite on his shoulder. He moved lower to kiss each of the four claw marks on his left breast. While there, he stopped and licked at Alex's hard nipple. Alex let out a heavy sigh and stroked Mike's hair. Mike moved to his right side and kissed and licked the nipple there, before moving down to the claw marks that went straight down his middle, through his belly button, and ended just above where his pants began. He kissed Alex's belly button, and then moved to his left side, where he kissed and licked the other bite mark. He looked up as he unbuttoned the first button on Alex's jeans. Alex nodded slowly. Mike returned to his work. He pulled the pants down and off. His legs bore a few bite marks and scratches, where it looked like someone had tried to trip or stomp him mostly around his ankles and calves. He moved lower and quickly put a warm kiss where he could see Alex's cock, pressing at his underwear to get out. He moved down and kissed his thigh before getting to his ankle. He kissed the scars there and moved to his feet. His right foot had four small puncture wounds, like someone with a clawed hand had stepped on his foot in order to keep him from running. He quickly licked back up to Alex's face, where they shared another passionate kiss. He bent and put his mouth to Alex's ear. Turn over, love, he whispered gently. Alex whimpered, but turned over as he was told, and inhaled the scent of the shampoo Alex used before moving lower to the back of his neck, where he kissed a bite mark that looked like someone had restrained him by biting the back of his neck. He moved to his right shoulder blade, where the bite mark from the front finished in a perfect circle. He kissed and licked the marks before moving down to Alex's wing bases. He made sure he kissed and loved every scar he could find. He slid lower, and kissed the few stray scars before he reached the two twin globes. He grasped them and squeezed gently. He massaged the orbs and smiled when Alex let out a whimper. So good, he heard Alex moan into his pillow. He moved lower, where he discovered a smaller bite mark that didn't wrap all the way around his leg. He pondered what animal hybrid could have made that mark. Soon he forgot it and bathed his feet in kisses before moving up to Alex's firm ass. He nuzzled the globes, and kissed them through Alex's tight briefs. Please, Alex whimpered. Please what? Mike teased. Don't, Alex whimpered more. Mike worried he didn't want this. Don't what, lover? He said soothingly. Don't make me wait, Alex gasped suddenly. Mike smiled and bit the waistband of the briefs. 
he slowly pulled them down with his teeth until they were around Alex's ankles. He pulled them off quickly and nudged Alex to roll over. I want to see you, lover, said Mike as he nuzzled Alex gently and the smaller boy rolled over so he could see his straining erection. I'm not very, started Alex. You're perfect, Mike interrupted. He looked up at Alex and saw him blush. Mike reached for Alex's cock, but the boy put his hand out to stop him. I want to see you too, Alex whispered. Mike smiled and stood up so he could take off his pants. Mike pulled off his sweats and his cock slapped his stomach before bobbing up and down, pointing upwards. Alex whimpered softly and reached out a hand. Mike stepped closer and Alex grabbed hold of his dick. Mmm, feels good, baby, Mike said, and watched Alex stroke his dick slowly. Precum dripped from Mike's cockhead and Alex leaned forward nervously. He quickly darted out his tongue and licked up the drop. Mike moaned loudly. Alex's eyes lit up and he quickly licked another drop from Mike's dick. He sucked and licked the top while using his hands to stroke the shaft. Mike reached down to stroke Alex's cock while he sat on the bed. Alex looked up at him and Mike nearly blew his load there. Those two big orange eyes showed love, lust and something else Mike couldn't place yet. Stop, baby. I'm going to come, Mike said, and pushed Alex's mouth away. The boy frowned, but did as he was told. Mike laid down on the bed and pulled Alex with him. He kissed the boy's mouth and could taste himself on his tongue. Alex moaned and deepened the kiss. Mike moved his hand back to Alex's aching cock. He stroked him quickly until the boy tensed and Mike felt him squirting in his hand. Have you ever tasted yourself? Mike asked, as he brought his hand up, covered in Alex's warm cum. No, I've always thought about it, but never done it, Alex whispered. Mike held up his juices and licked some off. Alex's eyes widened. Mmm, you taste good, Mike said, and took another taste. He held his hand out to Alex, and he hesitated for a second before licking a bit off Mike's finger. You taste better, Alex blushed. Mike laughed and rolled on top of Alex and started to kiss his way down his body again. He finally reached Alex's softening cock and sucked it roughly a few times to get it hard again. Once he was semi-erect, Mike moved in between his legs. He bathed his balls with kisses and licks before moving lower to find Alex's small opening. He moaned at the sight of Alex's tiny pink hole. He leaned in and kissed the rosebud gently. He began rimming Alex for all he was worth. He sucked and licked at the tiny hole. Alex was writhing and moaning on the bed, when Mike leant over to the nightstand next to the bed. God, please, no more. Just take me, please, Alex begged. I can't, babe. I have to stretch you out first. I don't want to hurt you, Mike said soothingly. No, Alex shouted. I don't care. God, please hurt me. Do what you want with me. Just put your cock in me, damn it. Alex lost his shyness and screamed at Mike. His words fueled Mike's passion, and he reached over quickly to grab the lube. He squirted a fair amount on his fingers before inserting one of the digits. Alex tensed and sighed before relaxing his muscles. God, Alex sighed. Call me Mike, Mike smiled. Alex opened one eye and glared at him before a lazy smile crossed his face and he closed his eyes again. Mike began thrusting in and out with his finger, getting Alex's hole open. Soon he inserted another finger and instead of putting a third in, he scissored the two digits, stretching Alex's hole. No more. Need you. Please. Now. Alex panted. His eyes were glazed over with lust. Soon, lover. Soon, Mike said, and raised himself to his knees. He pushed Alex's ankles up, and Alex wrapped his arms around his knees to give Mike access to his opening. Mike aimed his dick at Alex's channel, and pushed until his head popped in. Alex hissed and tensed up. 
Mike held still while Alex adjusted to the intrusion. After a moment, Mike felt Alex relax under him and he moved further in. Alex moaned as Mike sank all the way into him. So tight, lover, Mike grunted. Alex moaned a reply and tried to wiggle his ass back. Mike began thrusting gently. Oh, oh God, Alex whimpered as Mike sped up his thrusting. Jesus Christ, you're so tight, Mike whispered into Alex's ear. I want to see you ride me, baby, Mike moaned. Alex opened his eyes and nodded vigorously. Mike pulled out and quickly pulled Alex up. He took Alex's spot on the bed and watched as his lover straddled him. That's it, baby, Mike grunted as Alex lowered himself slowly onto Mike's cock. God, you're big, Alex moaned as he sat all the way down on Mike's dick. He slowly began moving up and down Mike's slick shaft. He moaned and watched the look on Mike's face as he began to grind his hips down on his cock. Jesus, Mike gasped. Alex panted loudly as he rode Mike to climax. Mike grabbed his hips, and after only a couple of thrusts up into his body, Mike shuddered and squirted his hot release into Alex. Alex moaned. So full, he whispered, before he tensed and shot his cum onto Mike's chest. His wings spread wide and arched upwards as he closed his eyes and tilted his head back to the ceiling, cum pouring from his cock. So beautiful, Mike whispered. Alex collapsed down onto Mike's chest and his eyes began to droop. Mike rolled Alex off him and walked into his bathroom, grabbed a warm washcloth and cleaned himself off, then walked over to Alex, who lay in a blissful heap on the bed. He cleaned him off quickly and climbed into bed after throwing the cloth into the hamper. Alex turned onto his side and curled against Mike's chest. Sleepy, he whispered. Mike kissed the top of his head and wrapped his arm around his shoulders. Sleep now, lover, he said, and waited until he was sure Alex was asleep before drifting off himself. To be continued. we go what did i say i thought there might be some sex in this chapter it seemed like there was a lot of work in chapter two to set all that up and tick all the necessary boxes that need to be ticked before two teens take things further so i wasn't too surprised to see things get sexual in chapter three and it was quite a full-on encounter i thought obviously taking full advantage of the parents being away hitting all the bases in one session that feels a little bit unusual for teens, although maybe gay teens tend to do things a little faster. I can't speak to that. I was still very repressed during my teenage years, but I remember things inching along at quite a slow pace from base to base, and each new milestone was kind of an event in and of itself. The first time you touch a boob, or the first time you grab a bum, the hand stuff, and then the mouth stuff, and then sex is kind of like the final milestone, the home run, as it were, if we're going to use that baseball analogy, which when I was a teenager, we definitely did. Even though thinking about it now, it's a little bit strange that it is used in Britain, a country where we don't really play baseball, although I suppose we do play rounders. But I was surprised they went all the way in this chapter. I wasn't expecting things to go that far. No surprises in a way that Mike is the top and Alex is the bottom. I think those two characters have very much been set up to embody the stereotypes of each of those sides of the gay dynamic. 
Mike's obviously got quite a large physical presence. He's a football player, quite muscular, large guy, and it seems like he's got a large cock to match. (laughs) That's something that came up in the last story we read, where it seems like there's an expectation that a large muscular frame corresponds to larger genitalia, and it seems like that trope has showed up again in this story. Meanwhile, Alex was described as a twink by Ethan, although he didn't necessarily mean that in a nice way. And Mike seems to describe him as a smaller boy quite a lot of the time. So as far as the narrative goes, I think the sexual dynamic of this couple was quite heavily foreshadowed. But I wonder how much differentiation and and separation in the roles there is in real-life couples. I guess there are probably people who fit into top or bottom, and they play that same role in all of their sexual encounters. But I bet there's probably a larger majority who kind of do a bit of both, I would imagine. So I wonder if we'll see them switch up roles, or whether in this story it's going to be quite a fixed sexual dynamic between these two guys. Comparing this with the kind of sex we've seen in the other stories we've read, I have to say that even though Mike is clearly the dominant one, it's quite a sensitive domination. He's definitely putting the work in in regards to the foreplay. And I get the sense that maybe he's a little bit more experienced than perhaps we've given him credit for. He seems to know his way around. Whereas Alex is a bit more impatient, and maybe also you could say he has that same desire for pain that Lisa in Lesbian Slave Island had. There's maybe an element of wanting to be pushed beyond boundaries. There was one part, though, where I got a little bit confused as to what exactly was going on. There was all this description of the various unusual parts of Alex's body, the wings and the claws and bits like that. And he was kissing all the scars and bite marks. And then, all of a sudden, we were talking about Mike squeezing firm globes. (laughs) And then they were called orbs a little bit later on. And there was a moment where I was wondering if that was some part of Alex's bird anatomy. Because to me it seemed like such an odd way to describe the balls. (laughs) You know? I've never heard somebody refer to a man's balls as globes. Firm twin globes. (laughs) there's something so alien about using those words to describe the balls that it threw me for a second and I was thinking this must be some strange part of the mutant anatomy that we're being introduced to here and I wonder why the author didn't just put balls (laughs) instead of globes or orbs I wonder if it's because the word balls isn't necessarily sexy Maybe using some different words to describe them is in some way an attempt to make balls a little bit more sexy. But to me, it came across as just a little bit confusing. Because I don't think there's anything wrong with just saying balls. If you mean balls, say balls. I can't think what else would be meant by globes or orbs. It must be the balls. I can't think of a part of a bird which is like an orb. I was thinking maybe he's talking about the ball and socket joint at the base of the wings. In any case, I don't think it's made clear exactly what's going on. And there's a few confusing moments in Mike's exploration of Alex's body. I think there could have been a lot more in terms of the description of what Alex's anatomy is like. Surely that's something that the author must know his audience, his readership, are curious about at this point. 
We've had three chapters with little teasing descriptions of things like the wings and claws and feathers. And now finally, we've got a scene where Alex is taking all his clothes off and is naked before Mike. And we're kind of denied a full description of what the mutations look like under the clothes. I suppose though we did have one question from chapter one answered. Alex does have a penis. I suspected he might. I think it would be difficult to have a sex story that would be satisfying for a gay audience with no penises, or with maybe only one penis. Another little detail that stood out to me was in the moment where Alex took off his t-shirt, because I think in previous chapters we've been able to see Alex's wings outside of his clothes. He's had to tuck them down to put a jacket over them, he's flapped them as he's jumped over a fence to kind of half glide his way down, and Mike stroked Alex's wings during their moonlit barn makeout session. So we know that when Alex is wearing clothes, his wings are out, they're exposed. It would be nice to have more detail on what Alex's clothes actually look like. Are there holes cut into the back around the shoulder blades to allow the wings to come through? Do his t-shirts have maybe an open back? In the end, the only detail we get is that Alex slips the shirt off his wings, which kind of implies that the shirt was over the wings. And if that's the case, I wonder why Alex doesn't keep his wings under his clothes all the time, especially for the first day of school. Maybe I'm labouring that point a little too much, but I also think half the point of an erotic story is that you're supposed to be able to picture what's happening, and the curious part of my brain is screaming, how does it work? Where are the wings? Give me the logistics of how these wings work. We got some more harrowing details from Alex's life at the camps, which in a way I feel kind of detracts from what's nice about this story and the clearly horrible abuse that Alex has suffered in the camps and even the existence of the camps at all. It doesn't add anything to what is important about this chapter. This chapter is all about Alex and Mike enjoying some alone time for the first time and having sex. And so it feels particularly jarring to spend almost half of our time during this chapter talking about these awful traumas that he's suffered. And I'm not saying it's not interesting background detail, painting this horrible picture of the intense tyranny of this system of horrible segregation that clearly mimics the Holocaust. It's powerful, impactful stuff. But does it belong in an erotic story? Does it tee us up well for the caring, sensual lovemaking that's the main purpose of this chapter? I'd argue that it doesn't really. I suppose you could argue that it gives Mike an excuse to show his caring side to Alex, and but I think there would be lots of other ways to do that without going into some pretty harrowing details. It almost feels like there are two stories here that the author wanted to write. One of them is this gritty sci-fi dystopia, and the other is a sweaty teenage erotic soap opera. And marrying the two in this way, I think it raises a lot of issues and causes a bit of a disconnect in the tone. It's hard to imagine in real life that a conversation about such horrific abuse would be able to change gears so quickly and become a passionate sexual encounter. I can't help but feel that some of the lines in the description of the atrocities that happened in the camps are put together pretty clumsily. 
for example, what's obviously supposed to be the big impactful moment of Alex's confessions about the camps is when he's talking about the times when predators would be put against prey. This is the worst thing that would happen. Even beyond the horrors of the predator versus predator confrontations, there's an added level of inherent unfairness in the predator versus prey dynamic. There are these short, sharp sentences that are obviously supposed to be big punching blows to really hammer home the horror of what's going on. But it comes across as almost ridiculous when he lists off jaguars against mice, alligators against ducks, wolves against rabbit birds against panthers it's like a parody because even though when you think about the examples there's obviously huge power imbalances between jaguars alligators wolves and panthers and mice ducks rabbits and birds because it's so abstracted but delivered in such a serious way i think the immersion is broken in that moment even though it's obviously supposed to be this moment that demonstrates just how awful things are it's obviously problematic to try and weave some of those issues into the contextual background of an erotic story. But the deeper we get into this story, the more I'm starting to wonder if it really needed to be there at all. Are there any key narrative elements in the framework of this story that rely on the fact that there were these awful camps? I don't think so. I think you could still have all the prejudice that Alex is subjected to by his classmates and by society at large without having to tie them into illusions of the Holocaust. You could certainly have all the mutation stuff. And I think even some of the wounds that Alex has on his body could have been explained away by simply being attacked by other people for being different. They needn't have necessarily happened as a result of forced fighting in the concentration camps. Because I wonder whether that's the real reason that Gwiel, the author, felt like they had to include that section about the forced fighting to give Alex a reason to have all these grisly scars that Mike can then use as a series of landmarks in exploring Alex's body. But actually, I think having the scars there as those landmarks robs us of an opportunity to explore the things about Alex's body that actually are unusual and interesting. You know, it's all very well having a series of grisly scars on one's body. I think that's something that most people can imagine without too much description, what a body looks like with scars on it. What would have been much more interesting is if Mike had explored Alex's body using the various aspects of Alex's mutation as those landmarks. And that would have also satisfied the need that I've felt, and I'm sure other readers will have felt, to get a detailed description of what Alex actually looks like, and the specifics of how the mutation has altered his body. That's certainly far more interesting than a long list of nondescript scarring and bite marks. One thing I had to Google was whether Attack of the Killer Tomatoes is actually a real film. <laughs> because it seems like a strange choice for the author to reference here. Turns out it is a real movie. It's actually a horror parody released in 1978. And I kind of wonder what the purpose of including that reference was. And I'm torn between two theories. Is this just a teenage writer wanting to name drop an obscure movie because they think it'll get them some kind of credit to show that they know about old movies? Or is it actually something deeper? And the fact that Attack of the Killer Tomatoes is a parody horror film is this a bit of a comment on the elements of parody that do exist within this chapter? I think certainly you could read the description of the things that Alex went through in the camps as a kind of parody. 
especially the bit about the prey versus predator matchups, are so incongruous that they almost ring of farce. So I wonder whether they're drawing a deliberate parallel there, or whether that's entirely incidental. I thought there were some more great teenage nostalgia moments in there in this chapter, especially Mike's desire to leave a mark on Alex's neck, the old love bite. (laughs) You don't see that so much in adult life, the love bite. I also like that this whole scenario is kind of the ultimate teen fantasy. Both parents away for the weekend, and there's absolutely no difficulty or arguments about whether you're responsible enough to be left alone, or whether it's appropriate to have your boyfriend over to stay the night. I think only in a teenage fantasy could such logistics be glossed over in just a couple of sentences. I also like the way that Mike cleaned up all of Alex's calm and gave everything a wipe down with a washcloth that he then threw into the hamper. <laughs> Let mum deal with that one. I wonder what she'll say when she opens the hamper to find a cum-soaked rag in there. I hope it's Mike's own hamper and it's not a shared family hamper. I think that's the last thing you want to see as a parent, isn't it? Your son's cum rag in the family wash hamper. I'm impressed also with the longevity of Mike and Alex as teenagers managing not to bust their loads through hand jobs, blow jobs, two positions of anal sex. That seems like incredible stamina for a teenager. And there was some fantastic imagery, I thought, in the final climax, with Alex riding astride Mike and spreading his wings triumphantly, as they have an almost choreographed mutual orgasm. They're not quite in sync, but it is pretty close. But there we are, chapter three of Wings of Grey, in the bag, and a good chapter all in all. I think it's 4.63 star rating as well deserved. But let's have a look at what some of the people in the comments thought. Contest for Jen says, it was an okay chapter. Kind of missed the story though. I mean, there was no story or character development in this chapter. I like the way you portrayed Alex's emotions though. Can't wait for the next chapter. Cheers. So that's the complete opposite of what I think. (laughs) They're obviously in it for all the stuff about the concentration camps and the fight against anti-mutant prejudice. But I actually thought it was nice that we just got a chapter with the two of them solidifying their love in a physical way. This is, after all, an erotic story. So it's good to have some sex in there. And we've only had to wait two chapters for it. Unlike in Lesbian Slave Island, where we seem to wait chapter after chapter after chapter for anyone to actually have an orgasm. An anonymous commenter says, I like this chapter. Thought it was sweet they had this time to make love and have some peace before having to deal with the trouble that you know is round the corner. That's what I'm saying. There's surely trouble around the corner. I think it's nice to let these guys have a little time to themselves. Alexandra36 says, I like this chapter, but I have one request. I think Alex should be given a break from hurts and miseries just because he's suffered enough from the camp. Well, from his scars anyway. I mean, that's so horrible, and it made me shiver and was thinking scary thoughts while I was reading that part. Shivers again. (laughs) They've put in asterisks. That's a very teenage thing to do, isn't it? To put your physical reactions in asterisks. They go on to say, Yep, that's my request. Have Mike get beat up or something, but not Alex. Okay, cool. I think this story is coming along great, and I do appreciate that you're posting so quickly too. Great job. Cheers. Smiley face. Jen313 says, I like it. I like this chapter, for once there was no outside drama, and they just had a sweet, blissful moment together. Anonymous says, Reminds me of High School Romance, submitted by Kitten2010, without the supernatural bent. Are you the same person? 
oh, so maybe maybe Gwil has an alias and they're posting under a few different usernames. Another anonymous person responding to that comment says, it is similar, I agree, but the writing styles are a bit different. Key similarities, but not sure they were written by the same author. This story is a lot better and creative compared to a high school romance. Keep going. Oh, and here's a comment from Gwil, who's actually addressing the speculation about whether they are also Kitten 2010. To the people who asked if I was the same author as High School Romance, no, I'm not. But I would not be surprised if my writing showed it. Kitten 2010 is one of my favourite authors on here, and I've read those stories several times. Smiley face. It seems my most favourite authors also read my stories. After how many times I've read their stories, I wouldn't be surprised if a hint of it shows up in mine. Sorry if that bugs people, I do try and be as original as possible. Oh, interesting that people accurately picked up on some of Gwil's influences there, but good to know that he's not the same person as Kitten 2010. A comment from Urchina, smiley face, I'm really enjoying this story and can't wait to see where you take it. Happy writing. Oh, and here's a comment from Kitten 2010. (laughs) Great. I wonder if they're friends in real life, or maybe they go to the same school or something like that. It seems crazy that on a website with hundreds and thousands of stories, perhaps even millions of stories, there's so many on here, that these two authors would find each other so easily. Although maybe, this is 12 years ago, so maybe they're connected on one of the old-fashioned forum message boards, or on MySpace, or something like that. Anyway, Kitten2010 says, Wow, I'm actually flattered to see these comments where people confuse us. Smiley face. How cool is that? <laughs> Pretty cool. Hot Lover 69 says, Good. <laughs> Just say good. One word review. At least it is a positive review. Anonymous says, Love it. A really cool story. I love it. I'll probably end up reading it again. Finally, there's another comment here from Gwil. We get a lot of comments from Gwil. I think they seem to do a really good job of managing their fan base and keeping in touch with the people who read their stories via the comments. I think that's a good thing. Anyway, they say thanks. Thanks for all your comments and suggestions. I initially held off on the plot for this chapter, just so our boys could have a moment alone together. The calm before the storm. Am I right? (laughs) I again forgot to thank my editor at the beginning or end of the story, and I feel like an ass. (laughs) Ha ha. Thanks to my editor keeping me safe from, did I spell everything correctly, messages everywhere. Again, they've mentioned the editor without mentioning who they are. No name there. But I guess maybe they don't want to be named. Maybe that's a deliberate omission. And also it's funny that they say that they've been kept safe from, did they spell everything correctly? Because I have to say there were a few spelling and grammatical errors in this story. Not that I really care about that kind of thing. I'm not going to bang on about things like that. As long as you can understand what they're trying to say, I think that's fine. But it's funny that they're so bad at spelling that they don't even know that their editor is also bad at spelling. There we are. That's all the comments for this chapter. I really hope you enjoyed listening to chapter three of Wings of Grey. If you'd like to read some of Gwiel's other stories, as I said at the beginning, you can pop on to literotica.com and search for Gwiel, spelled G-W-E-A-L-L, on the Literotica website. Maybe you could also check out their friend Kitten2010. Seems like their stories have a lot of similarities, so if you enjoy this, maybe you'll enjoy that. If you do read any of Gwil's stories, then be sure to like their stories, give them a good rating, 
drop them a positive comment. I think it's always nice to encourage people to show the authors some love. I think it's usually appreciated because I know that a lot of work goes into writing stories like this and there's not a lot of payback for the effort you put in. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then you should also know that there's not a lot of payback for doing this podcast. I do it for free, for fun. And if you want to support me doing this, keep it going, then please rate the podcast, like it, leave a review, leave a comment, whatever it is that your podcast app lets you do in the way of engagement. I think that always has a positive effect on the way the algorithm promotes various podcasts. So engage in whatever way you're able to do so. And don't be afraid to share this podcast with friends, relatives, strangers on the street, anyone who you think might get a kick out of listening to an erotic story read and then analysed by me. With all that said, I hope you have a lovely week and I'll join you again in seven days time for chapter four of Wings of Grey. And I'll tease you now with the subtitle for that chapter. It's Ethan Causes Problems. So I think as Gwiel let us know in his comment, we're hitting the narrative again hard after this little respite, the calm before the storm. So join us next time when the storm breaks. Until then, goodbye. They would put the prey in with the predator, jaguars against mice, alligators against ducks, wolves against rabbits, <laughs> birds against panthers. I shouldn't be laughing, it's not funny, that's a horrible thing to do.